everybody, welcome to Bros, Bibles, and Beer, the BBB podcast. This is episode 137, if you can believe that. We've been going for decades and decades. I've got gray hair. Uh, hey, we're in the middle of an amazing time. Disneyland is closed. Mount Rushmore is being protected. And I am here with Zach Crater and Andy McCraw. Yes, sampling the good things that God gave us. And Scott Scooter Holbert is KIA, baby. Welcome back, boys. Thank God for beer. Uh, I feel like that uh, that theme song at the beer and gets very European. <laughs> oh, yeah! All of a oh. sudden, we've got Seamus Seamus O'Shaughnessy. Look at your hair, yeah. And there's kids in the pub. <laughs> it's allowed. It's a thing. You know, po- maybe they're drinking too. It's post COVID. The drinking regulations are a little bit lax. So in Dublin, I believe everybody is born with a Guinness. So. Yeah. I think actually the amniotic fluid is part Guinness. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway <laughs> fantastic it's science. It, it is. It is a wild, a wild time. Um, we're just after July Fourth. Yeah. Uh, how was your guys' July Fourth? Besides the fact that we all spent it together, <laughs> <laughs> that could have been better. You know, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta give my mom kudos for making a funny. On the family text thread, she she wrote, happy birthday, America, uh, with a question mark after happy, oh. which, you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of funny because there's a fair. lot going on right now. Yes. Yes. So we're in a time where, and I said this before, I'm like, okay, we've got to turn this around. Like we've got even our podcast, every conversation we have, we've got to turn everything, spin it to positive. There's got to be good there's good in this world. I even talked to my wife. I'm like, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what we're going to talk about. She's like, well, it can't be anything positive. There's nothing positive going on. I'm like, <laughs> yes, there is, gosh. There's so much good news. Uh, did you guys have a chance to see that video of the helicopter flying over Los Angeles on 4th of July oh, yeah. at night? No. Oh, my gosh. It was World War Three spectacular it's style. Amazing. Just imagine, like, it's, it's in every neighborhood like every three houses or so oh, are just I heard this. launching right. the most legit of fireworks and it looks incredible and i have a i have a somewhat unhealthy um enjoyment of fireworks <laughs> <laughs> i'm right there with you i'm a pyromaniac because uh, everybody knows andy hates dogs <laughs> So it is simultaneously my one of my favorite nights and my dog's least favorite night, but uh, but that that was fun and and you guys got to be in the neighborhood and experience a couple of special things. One was uh, massive mortars being launched, beautiful thing, and then um, drunk neighbors uh, wanting to fight each other. Yeah, drunk neighbors who it turns out uh, hang out all the time and are generally friends almost came to blows. Yeah, that was a uh, because I didn't of the see dogs. That one coming. Um, 
Yeah, literal mortars. I joked at the time that I wasn't, I mean, if Scott was there, he might have gotten PTSD because an actual mortar, when he was in Iraq, he almost killed him. We've told that story briefly, I think, on episode of and not, not to disregard Scott, but I mean, literally, people were walking by going, they're shooting bombs in the air. Yes. It felt like that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And I loved it. I really loved <laughs> oh, it. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. And uh, there's something beautiful about fireworks were shut down for the most part, officially. Yeah. But there's that American spirit of, you know, there's a downside to this. But there is some refreshment in the fact that people are like, you know what? We're going to do it anyway. We, we want fireworks. And we've been cooped up. We aren't able to go out. We've been locked in. At least that's, that's the official narrative around here. You know, people are a little bit more laid back. But in L.A., everywhere, it's, universally, it's like, no, we still had a fireworks show. It's just our neighbors were, throwing, were, were launching mortars in the air. So something refreshing about the, uh, sorry, the man, we can celebrate and we will. Well, and I feel like the, uh, I feel like the cops in the neighborhoods in general were kind of like, have fun. We're going to take the night off. (laughs) (laughs) They were because I'll speak for your neighborhood, Andy, since you mentioned it. It, You know, it's a beautiful neighborhood, Andy. It's fantastic. I love it. If the, cops- the Chinese fireworks are amazing. That's half. That's halfway between Trump and the mayor of Springfield. <laughs> oh, attention, <laughs> residents of Aliso Viejo. Okay, now you're part JFK, but that's okay. That's the mayor. Oh, is of it really? Oh, yeah, that's man. exactly the mayor. <laughs> is okay. he one of the? Be careful with all your fireworks. <laughs> is he one of the voices getting canceled? I don't know. The oh, Simpsons. that's no. not. Oh, here we go. No, Get what, out of that. Oh, I'm sorry. That's no, right. Good I did news. See, I did see the Babylon Bee saying that they were requiring all their uh, voice actors to have yellow skin. <laughs> because if you haven't watched The Simpsons for the last They're 30 years. They're all golden. Yeah. They all if we can keep skin. this podcast up for a few more years, maybe we'll all get jaundice and we can. <laughs> become voice actors? Uh, become voice actors. Oh, my gosh. I will paint myself for a job. <laughs> Yeah, but I will say I think I think I had one of my more proud moments as a barbecuist, if that's a word, when I put together the. This is the drag. The I think chick, it's barbequist. <laughs> barbequist. Uh, when I put together the chicken dragon heart, so I YouTubed this thing, which was a breast of chicken, which you pound flat. To Slow have, down. Yeah, I'm listening, and you then slice a jalapeno in half. Core out the jalapeno, fill it with sour cream, close it back together, put it in the middle of the chicken breast, put cheese all around that, wrap the thing so that it's somewhat enclosed, well, completely enclosed, and then and then to keep it closed, you wrap pork belly bacon around the outside of it. Which is the best part. Which is the best part. Bacon makes everything better. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then barbecued that. And I... I was happy with how it turned out. It wasn't as spicy as I wanted it to be, though, in the middle. Well, it's like the, was it jalapenos or? It was a jalapeno. I mean, there's a jalapeno popper, which is pretty much minus the chicken and bacon. I mean, isn't it, are you putting cream cheese in the middle or is it something else? No, it's not cream sa- cheese. It's sorry, sour cream. sour cream. Yeah. And 
I would agree. It was although cream cheese would work too. I, I have a feeling. True. Super tasty. Fantastic job, Andy. I I enjoyed your cooking. Mm. The dragon. I have a confession. The, dragon, the chicken dragon. Chicken egg. dragon egg. Yeah. Thanks a, to the barbecue pit boys on uh, YouTube. They look nice. like you think they look. <laughs> I have a confession about official about the uh, jalapenos. <laughs> is that I think I knew this once by a time, but I had somehow forgot. And or forgotten, and uh, turns out the seeds are where the heat comes from. Yeah, mm-hmm. the seeds are where the heat comes from. Yeah, so you get the jalapeno flavor, which is good to know if people are sensitive to heat. But that jalapeno flavor is still pretty good. Yeah, take the seeds out, or you could sprinkle a couple seeds. And when you open the jalapeno, you get you see all the seeds right there. I don't, want, I don't know why look my at, voice is getting high. Look at all high. the seeds. I know you're getting excited because your voice you, is getting higher. You can take a few seeds out. You could customize your seed base for your customer. And, uh, you know. By the way, everybody, this is going to be on YouTube, possibly. Possibly. And uh, we'll you'll see. be able to see Zach's visual of how he really does <laughs> does things with the seeds. You know, if we planned on doing this better, we would say, this is Jeff. We have Andy. And this is Zach. And Scott is not here because he's working, trying not to get fired. Uh, no. According to the intro, he was killed in action. Oh. Oh, Okay. On 4th of July. Oh, okay. By mortars. Mortars. Okay. Yeah. Watch the video of Los Angeles. It's in there somewhere. I I saw multiple, multiple uh, neighborhood states. uh, Idaho, uh, Colorado, California here. I listened to some guys and... Uh, the guy was up in the Bay Area, and he's like, "Yeah, we're duds. There's nothing going on. Nothing going on in San Francisco. Nothing in the Silicon Valley." But uh, out in Freedom Land, which is the rest of the country, it was just bulls on parade. It's fantastic. Yeah, old school, old school. Fourth of July, baby. Well, it was beyond. It was beyond old school because all the fireworks I saw did not come from this state. And as long as I've lived here, they've not been available. But it gave us a taste of what the uh, the sweet life is on the other side of the, the state border. <laughs> Just across to Arizona. Yeah. All right, master. What do we... Oh, don't use that word. Uh, keep this light and fresh and happy. We're not, we're not talking about that stuff. Uh, what are you doing, uh, Jeff? What's going on? Uh, there's really nothing going on in my life. Uh, I started work. For those of you who have listened, I mean, what's I don't care about your personal life. <laughs> what are we doing next? I'm on dating. This show? I'm dating now. <laughs> I have three dogs and a cat. I'm dating. Um, and I gave up the kids, gave up the job. I'm working at Starbucks now. There's a lot of Where kids. I can to socially give up. distance from people. Sounds like a great life decisions. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, where are we going? Well, let's go somewhere positive, please. I'm glad a, you asked. Please. I want to give the people good news. There's been, there's a lot going on and justifiably so. There's a lot of heavy stuff to chew on, justifiably so. But mm-hmm. yes, I know a certain segment of our audience is thinking that what if actual AI, first of all, let me back up a little bit. Every time I see a a commercial of the Microsoft guy talking about AI. I'm like, that's not AI. Which guy? The uh, the CEO? No, no, it's, oh man, I feel bad now. It's the uh, spoken word, the hip hop. Oh, common. Common. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, 
with Microsoft AI. It's not AI. He's talking about a good, a well-designed program. <laughs> and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, because I'm just going to assume that Jeff doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about. I, don't know. But I can't remember which product he was talking about. But. It doesn't matter. Is actual AI a thing? A real intelligence? He needed something that rhymed with may I. So he's a rapper. <laughs> that and so that's where it came from. So in his defense, like off the top of my head, I can't think of one thing that rhymes with may I besides AI. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, what did you, what did you, uh, come across this week though? New mathematical formula. This is from good news network unveiled to prevent AI from making unethical decisions. Researchers from the UK and Switzerland have found a mathematical means of helping regulators and business police artificial intelligence systems biases towards making unethical and potentially very costly and damaging choices. This is me shaking my head. (laughs) Okay, well, so I was trying to bring good news. Robots aren't going to take over the world because we have a new mathematical program that's going to prevent them from doing so. Have you heard the examples of one of the fear examples? Sorry, Jeff. I know this is positive. I'm bringing fear into it. Of bad AI is that if you you come up with an AI or an intelligence that's going to create paper clips or pick your product, the the means by which they can produce the most efficient paperclip supply ever could result in the destruction of the human race because they don't have the morals, all those balancing just there's would you explain paperclips for me and others? They were designed in the 1930s originally to be able to make sure that papers that needed to be together stayed together. Were they colored? Could you have colored paper clips? Oh, where's my paper clip? He holds oh, up, I held up two papers. One of them fell down. If only I had a paper clip. That's not what you were asking, though, Jeff, was no, it? No, it wasn't. No, but if you imagine... A pr- He's talking about Clippy from Microsoft Word. Hey, it looks like you're trying to write a letter. Need some help with that? Timely reference. How old is that? How many things did I just tie together with that? <laughs> it's really good. Actually, clip. Well, I'm locked in right now. It looks like you're trying to send a fax. Need some help with that? Yes. The original assistant. That was pretty fun. But if you instruct AI to produce, and they're in charge of a factory producing pencils or paper clips or whatever. Okay. And all they know is we need the most of this product possible. It might result if they were actual AI and they they could learn and replicate and learn and exponentially learn on their knowledge. It could result in the destruction of the universe, all in the quest of producing the most paperclips possible. So what you've described is something that um, actually happens a little bit more rarely than most people think. Um the because because you're you're also describing like this is the skynet terminator scenario right right it's called unsupervised ai and what ends up happening is um that it's it's designed in such a way that it allows it to just go and free roam and like uh slamming every single variation over and over and over again until it's just getting to to a point of efficiency it was set out let's say let's say the goal for it was set out to be uh, ultimate efficiency of of the paper clips and um and all the boundaries are are just released and and again it's unsupervised go yep. for it um however 
a that doesn't happen as often as we think it it does. Um, One example being the universe still exists. Yeah, and the other thing is, uh, it takes a crazy amount of data for that to be able to work. For it to be able to get better and better and better, it's like a ridiculous amount of data. We would um, need like a 32 um, megabyte uh, thumb drive, Jeff. We would. I think Jeff's making <laughs> the necessary adjustments to hey, his microphone hey, right now. You just keep on going. I don't know. It was all great before, and now it's... No, it's the worst. Now I really no. Now it is good. I wish we had AI on you fixing your microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Jeff was an AI. Uh, you know what? Actually, Scott's probably an AI. He doesn't, he doesn't have feelings. So the uh, he's in a constant. What mode. usually happens though is what um, is where they will uh, do offline training, and so they'll they'll have a hypothesis. You'll have data scientists that will say, "Hey, I think if we do these kinds of things, and if we tell it, if we, we set a reward function." Um, when you do X, X is a good thing. And so the machine learns, well, I got to, what are all the combinations I can do to get more X's? Cause that's the good thing. That's the reward function. And then you, and then some data scientists takes it offline and they look at the de- results and they go, Oh, okay. Yeah. It was doing some good things to get to X. It got more X's, but Ooh, look at this. I got all these Y's shoot. We forgot to tell it that Y's are bad. Okay. Hold on. Now go update it and tell it, get X's, but remember Y's are bad. So get X's, but avoid Y's. Am I getting way too deep in the weeds here? That's, it, it sounds a little bit about the inequalities we have in the world. Shut up, Jeff. We're not, staying positive. No. So, so this is how that, that kind of, that tends to work. I think the most important to think, thing to think about here and what they're probably uh, loosely referring to is the fact that um, you've got humans involved in this. Right. At, at these various stages, and they bring biases to the table. No, 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 no. <laughs> they said it. They no. said it how they want it. And there's a lot uh, of articles that are around that, like the the, the human bias that that um, influences AI, right? So, so what I just explained to you right there is a good example of your article, which is they're saying uh, somewhere in there that like, hey, it may be able to find the the sweet spot in terms of uh, risk versus getting people to sign up for insurance companies and balancing do, does do do these people retain x factors of risk and we as a insurance company need to balance that we want to take on so many people of such a level of risk that we can insure <laughs> get it insurance companies yes yes ensure definitely not, not 16 insure. year old me yeah um that that we are able to make money effectively on these people. We need to have more healthy people than non-healthy people. Sure. Yeah. Speak, no, insure. Speaking of that, uh, Jeff, hey, is your dietary intake okay? Or can I get you like a shake or something to supplement your calories? That's an inside joke because you're the oldest person here and <laughs> it's just piggybacking on the insure. If I have to explain it, it's oh, not a good joke. That insure. Yes. Nice. Oh, so there's three? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to disregard your comment. And I am going to talk AI. There's so many, pur- I mean, there's only so many purposes. I mean, I sent some money into the, the Trump campaign. Next thing I know, I'm getting emails, texts, mail, three pieces of mail in one day. First of all, I don't feel safe now. <laughs> Second of all, continue. <laughs> and that that algorithm that's been created 
It's like, oh, we got one. We got a live one, as you would say, Zach. We got a live one, and it just... I've keep... never said that before, but keep going. <laughs> yeah, maybe, it was keep your, going. maybe it was your AI. Uh, anyway, um, we we have that version. Then we have like the the car that I have that has AI yes. that literally it's being updated constantly and it's getting better and better at recognizing things that it wants to do well. It wants the X's get rid of the Y's. I guess that's my point though, is that it's a well-designed program that needs updating. It's not intelligence. It needs updating and it needs a ton of data. So here's a good example. Have you guys right. ever, you, you know, sometimes when you're asked, you're asked to log into a website and you see that there's some validation and it's a CAPTCHA is what it's called. And it says, hey, yes. click on all the photos that have a stoplight yes. in it. Yes. You are helping Google build AI for image recognition. Yep. And so what they've done effectively totally. is they've turned you uh, into, a, you're a slave. And you are and you are building image recognition AI for them because what they can do now is they can take all of those things and they can feed that back into a system and uh, that is powered by AI and say, ah, humans have said these are all the right things. Right. Remember, these are your reward functions, and now it's able to connect those dots and go, ah, I see. If I'm looking for these kinds of shapes, I've had 150 million people call out that this shape is a stoplight. Right. All right. Now I know what a stoplight looks like. So in wrapping this up, I have two questions. The The first one is, do if you were going to reward, because you mentioned rewards for the AI. Yeah. Um, if you were going to reward, reward AI with dessert, what would it be? <laughs> and because that's how I, you know, control my children through rewards. And it usually involves sweets. Um, I hope you say it that way too. <laughs> I do. Although you've got such a great audio setup here. Maybe the DS or <laughs> took out my sweets. <laughs> um, hey, Al Gore. And then this, the second one is what are the chances of a robots taking over the earth with no explanation? Cause so you're saying it, you're, you're, you're saying it. you've asked your questions. Okay. You're right. Thank you. Actually, that's a great, I, I repent. Thank should, you. Should we be worried about this? Yes. Yeah, should we? Weird. Like, are you are you personally worried about potential AI taking over the universe? Then we'll move on. But desserts first. Go ahead, Jeff. I, I no screw desserts. Uh, I like your second question better. Wasn't that an American Pie? And that is that the point is that humans actually control the AI. My fear is, and it's a real fear that there's groups of people who would push AI as like, we don't, this is what we're doing. This is how, you know, we figured this out. The technology is telling us to go this way. And we've been prepped as a society that technology knows better. Technology is driving us places, literally. Technology is taking us online and figuring things out for us. Even if humans are the ones behind the whole thing, the idea that that facade is good enough for a facade-like living society that, you know, we are generally, that people are like, yes, we will go. That's interesting. If you, 
Uh, the, the two things that, that made me think of, number one, I think it's most illustrated in those examples of people who have fallen asleep in their Teslas while they're driving, is that they have fully um, just acquiesced and given their complete trust and control of their, literally literally of their lives yep. over to totally. artificial intelligence. Yep. That's one. But the second part of it that it made me think of was, uh, what are the versions that, that we as individuals or as society do um, in general, like if you pick that as a theme where I say, well, I just trust blah implicitly and I tend to mentally check out and I, and I, and I'm not, uh, I'm not pressure testing the ideas. I'm just, I'm just readily accepting it and I go along with it. Do we, uh, it kind of bleeds into our next topic a little bit, just in terms of, of, uh, of where we get our information and, and how we accept our information. Yeah. Sounds like you guys aren't worried about the robot apocalypse <laughs> quite yet. I, can, I guess I could, I could cap it on this one. Uh, it, it, could it, could it happen? You're going to cap my cap? <laughs> King me? <laughs> captain, my captain. <laughs> uh, Let me cap you. Could it happen? Yes, it could happen. I think... A scenario like that is much further away than most people think it is. Mm. AI is not as complex and as developed as most people think it is. And Zach, to really cap it off, I'm going to give it Skittles. Okay. I like it. <laughs> that's the dessert. Uh, that's a disappointing dessert. Yeah, it Skittles. Is. I'm glad you said something because I had nothing. Could have been like bananas. <laughs> I don't know what a computer dessert is. Bananas Foster? It would be a bite of something. Get it? Uh, so good. Just give me a little bite of that key lime pie made out of ones and zeros. <laughs> um, all right. So I was I was poking around on the internet, um, and I think you found you have this here. This was a an interview on the Joe Rogan podcast recently. Um and it was with a guy named uh, Josh Burnett and uh, Barnett, Josh Barnett. Uh, and this is just a, a clip. I don't know. Rogan's podcast go like three hours, two and a half, three hours or so. You mean Joe Brogan? Joe Brogan. <laughs> hey, yeah. real quick. Uh, Jeff, do you need a little more whiskey? That's a yes. <laughs> and I'm on this side. Oh, God. I'm on the <laughs> closer side of empty. Can you see a little ice in there too? Well. We have ice. <coughs> oh, we're going whiskey then ice. That's a dangerous move. It is a dangerous move. What happens? Yeah, because you might splash the pot. Yeah. Hold Did on. You trust my fingers, Andy. Well, is hey, it the first time I've ever asked you that oh. question? <laughs> Andy, trust my fingers. I just put ice in his glass. <laughs> on, a, on a side note, half my family's got COVID nineteen. Oh, that's cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thanks for spitting on my mic. No, uh, Mulholland I, Distilling, American Whiskey. Just wanted to mention them in case they want to uh, sponsor us with free bottles of whiskey. Uh, is that the whiskey group? Or is that the uh, distillers that are in Los Angeles who artificially speed up the distillery, s- distilling process? I don't know enough about that, but they are in LA. And there's a quote on the back that says, in This good- was supposed to take 20 years <laughs> and it took five weeks. AI, oh. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In good times and bad, all will drink, if not water, then make it Mulholland. That's definitely a 2020 whiskey there. 
Oh man! Uh, <laughs> wait, wait. But hold do on. you know what I'm talking about? Hold on. Sorry. Side note. Do you know what is, I'm talking about? Sh- no. That that there's there's that distillery yes. in Los Angeles. No, I don't. That no. is that was made by a bunch of chemists who went and uh, reverse engineered, basically broke down what it took, what what was happening in the aging of spirits. Yep. Okay. And they figured out a way to, in a laboratory, reproduce that same process without it taking 10, 15 years. Yeah. It's science. And they are ruining tradition. And making sweet, sweet love to our mouths. No, I got All right. Hey, hold on. (laughs) Hold on. I I, I just, uh, you know, hey. This, I'm not joking. I think my family has COVID-19. I'm so glad you're here tonight, Jeff. All right. <laughs> no, we get, I get a phone call from you. I know. No. And, well, Caleb is like, he's got a little hacking cough. Can he smell? I don't know. That's the key. Oh, yeah, he can smell. Okay, then he's fine. Oh. That's something else. Oh, geez. Christian is playing his video game, uh, Apex Legend. Uh, it's an EA. This episode of Brothers Browse brought to you by Apex He's in Legend. playing his video games, which Caleb, they sleep in the same room. Caleb goes up to him five times within the day and is like, because he's a little punk seven-year-old. And Christian wakes up the next morning, coughing and hacking. And he's like, gosh darn it, man, Caleb, so you got me all sick, man. He learned it from you, Jeff. I don't cough in people's faces. No, but you like to rile people up. It's a version of that. It's a metaphorical cough. Yeah. You I- like to metaphorically cough in people's faces for reactions. <laughs> and your son, being a young boy, takes it literally. Doesn't know metaphor yet. That's fine. I'm going to accept that. Okay. And then when I get COVID, I'll blame your son. Perfect. Okay. All right. This is Josh Burnett. <laughs> it's just it's just a matter of not being so pent up on oh god well well my narrative my my ideology my my fucking i gotta tribalize all this into such a degree that i have to tear down everything else around me so that mine can exist and that even goes to with this this bourbon or anything i do like i don't need to i don't need to cut other things down for mine to rise to to for other people to enjoy it you don't have to you don't have to tear apart the mainstream media for yours to exist. You know, now, mind you, the mainstream media tries to destroy you all the time. But he's talking about Joe Rogan here. So that's that's the context of the you. Oh, Joe Rogan is being tried to be destroyed. That didn't really come out right. But well, yes, <laughs> he's not trying to be, but it, they're trying to, to, to chop him down. No, he's mm-hmm. being trying. He's being <laughs> trying. All right. I think what? it's just players it, in, it, the, in yeah, the media. It the media itself is just a, it's just a pathway for people to express themselves. It's very limited. I would say the media, among a lot of things, like there is a a, a good uh, for a term that I really like. It's called managerial elites, and so most things are big bureaucratic uh, uh, um, structures that have managers, and it's just all managers everywhere. And they're all mm-hmm. operating into that human. All right, I'm going to pause it right there because I think it kind of goes into another topic. But the the, the small little topic that I thought was interesting there um, kind of leads into some of the stuff that we've been talking about lately, which is around how do we uh, how do we individually and how do how does the world today um, craft their own narrative that that affects their worldview? I don't know if the difference is actually between your own narrative and your worldview. It's probably interchangeable. 
I imagine. But what are the inputs to do to, to that? And then, uh, and then what's your reaction when something challenges your narrative or your worldview? And what I like about what he's saying there is that like, he, he's describing his approach, which is antithetical to, to what he's seen in the world today. His approach is like, I don't have to go tear down other people's narratives or challenge or, or put them down or crush them or shit on their point for my own, for my own opinion, my own narrative to exist or for people to enjoy it or engage in it. And, um, and, and what he's kind of alluding to here and what shows up elsewhere in that interview is, is that's not the case for, for much of the world today, at least when it comes to um, the, the vocal level of the media. Um, I, I don't want to put up a bunch of straw men here, but, um, but I think if we, just, if we looked at this as like a, a general state of society today, um, which is uh, sort of a lack of tolerance or, or a challenge for anyone to be able to allow differing opinions differing narratives to coexist. It just seems like, what? You believe different than me? How could you? Yeah. This is where cancer, cancel culture has... Which is a cancer. Yeah. I'll just say that better. That is a cancer. Cancel culture is a cancer. That's what Andy was trying to say. Uh, Yeah, say that three times fast. (laughs) I think my response to you when we were kind of discussing this beforehand was the fact that we have a a small amount of people that are being heard and it's, and is it reality that we have a mass amount of people that aren't being fed in our society that aren't a part of it, that aren't in, in it. And what does being fed mean? um, Being fed, like I am an American I'm a part of society. I, and the idea that, oh, I'm somebody, I don't even have a community. I've been shut out. I'm, I'm on the outside looking in. I honestly don't think there are, well, I think the people that are running the show right now are a very small amount of people that aren't affected, that have created leverage in society with the internet, with social media, and they are running amok and there is no stopping them because they have the power of social media, which is a juggernaut. And and people are like, how do I get out of the way of the lightning bolt that's coming straight down on me? And, and so you, you're yeah. going, you're, you, how you communicate out of that or just, I'm not going to be a part of this. I, I don't know. I, I think that the information age has given everybody the ability to go to supportmyopinions.com and, and be able to find information that, that feeds their own personal viewpoints and opinions and kind of and their echo chamber. T- totally. They all exist. I mean, uh, the reason I use that joke website is because whatever, I mean, right. there's a version for every single person, whether or not. I bet that's a real website. If not, we should totally buy it. <laughs> Quickly going to GoDaddy, buying that domain. <laughs> um, so, so I, I don't, I don't think that this particular 
type of belief or way of thinking um, is subject to those who are in the elite of media or those who have a huge megaphone uh, versus those the people that live around the corner from you. I, th- I think we're all subject to the same type of scenario. People, echo chambers are uh, non-discriminatory. <laughs> <laughs> in right, that, right. In that they will exist in any and every shape. Yeah, form. sure. The uh, social media aspect, it's it's back to AI or a version of that. Um, what you see in your newsfeed is not what your friends are posting. It's like a curated uh, look at what your friends or people that your friends know, like your friend liked this. Yeah. And Facebook, Instagram, whatever, it's giving you a timeline that it thinks you'll respond to. And so what you respond to is either super happy or super angry. And so you get versions of both, which going back to rewarding people with Skittles, AI with Skittles, your brain is getting rewarded with uh, metaphorical Skittles when it sees something it's upset at or something it likes. And so either way, the algorithm is trying to drive engagement, which typically what you don't like is what is what you engage with the most, whether you hang on it longer, like even. Yeah, both both and I guess. I mean, like, here's a little experiment. If you want to run a really quick experiment because it happens so quickly, go on YouTube and pick um, like two or three disparate categories of things to watch videos on and then refresh YouTube and see what changes in that main feed of right. things that's offering you. YouTube happens really, really quickly and, and you, and you will see that thing and it, and it will start to feed videos that align. And it is, ah, people like you also watch this. I mean, there's, it's more complex than that, but there's cohorting that's going on mm-hmm. and that's how it's determining, oh, if you like this, you might like this. Yeah. Well, I go over to, or I go over to somebody's house or I look on their YouTube feed or their movie feed and I'm like, wow, you got this on Netflix? How the heck? I don't even have that. Yeah. But it's not that it's not, it's not there for me to watch. It's that you watched or somebody else watched a couple of movies and they're connected with other movies. And so you have this cohort of movies. Yeah, I think th- I think the most important thing in this is to think about how how we uh we as as a society in general have have gotten to a place where there's discomfort with discourse and and differing opinions and and this is maybe like I'll make the provocative argument like maybe maybe now more than ever in history um the society is less comfortable with with having differing opinions than it's ever been in the history of the world and i think and i think that the internet and the information availability definitely fueled that fire i i find it fascinating andy and this isn't a dig on you but how you said how i think we sounds need, like it's going to be a dig on I you how i think we need to how i think we need to be you know thinking about this yeah. and and this is provocative that is what happens in conversations um, to to steer things in a direction because there are buzzwords out there that we hear and we gravitate towards and we're led down the path. 
And it's like, uh, I, okay, well. I am uh, trying to lead us down the path. Right, of, of exactly. Topic. For sure. Yeah. But, but that is a, that is a, a way in which you turn people's attention and move it in a direction. And that happens all the time. And it's not a, it's not a, it's not I a bad thing. I think that's interesting, but, but that's no, not I realize ta- it's off topic. That's not what I'm I talking it's about. Off topic. Really. Yeah. Then yeah. why'd you say it, Jeff? Because I, <laughs> Gosh, I, I wanted it. to not dig on Andy. But you can dig on me. I still don't think you're digging on I me. To- I so dig you. <laughs> I have a really good visual now. <laughs> See Thanks, how quickly guys. that turned? Uh, <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm distracted. What is, what is the gentleman with the luxurious beard in the clip that you played, Andy? What is he touching on that you are trying to amplify Right now, yeah, I think th- I think the point that he's getting to is um, that uh, he he's talking about that, that there's this like offensive nature to people defending their narratives, and so it is not just that I can I can sit back and I can research and I can understand and present my narrative when it's challenged or or whatever or just know that well or know my worldview well of my points. It is. For my narrative, for my worldview to exist, I have to go on the offensive and I need to tear somebody else down. And I think that's that's the piece where you see, and that, that's the point that I'm trying to make, is where you see discourse break down. Because the moment that you start attacking the other person and not addressing their ideas is when uh, you start drifting off into the world of, into the land of logical fallacies. Yeah, because you can't address the actual points that the person's making. Yes, and oftentimes is it that you can't or you don't want to. Well, or, I, or don't need it, to. It could be. I think yes, I know people that want. I think I know people that want to, but they they have a certain bias to where they think, no, I'm looking at things logically and reasonably, and you're like, I'm not. You're not listening. To I'm me. not affected by by uh, those biases. That's how most people operate. That's why it's a bias. You don't see it, generally. Uh, but I'm wondering if... Or you do and you don't care. Yeah. I am a Lakers fan. Piss off, Boston. No, but I you... I don't s- care. You see right. it. It's my bias. Ref, that's, yeah. that's my point, is that you can't... Some of them are seen. Right. And some of them you're not as aware of. Which is why the idea of... I, I have conversation with people, too... Really? About the idea, oh. yeah, like one or two, um, that the idea of an unbiased media is like, why Why can't the media be unbiased? And the truth is, it's never been unbiased. Ever. Like, there used to be, the names of newspapers used to like literally say, like basically, <laughs> the super conservative racist review. Uh, that's not an actual website or newspaper, but... Um, <laughs> But it used to like name like what they were about. <laughs> Going to uh, reserve that domain name right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so the the danger the 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 game was pretending that you were unbiased. Fox News used to say fair and balanced, which was always kind of a joke. They've dropped that um, because they're pretty. They're they skew conservative. It's changed to white and right. <laughs> <laughs> They, well, a perfect oh example gosh, is uh, Donald Trump, the president, giving his speech at Mount Rushmore, July fourth, and not one, not one of the uh, 
big networks ran it at all. And yeah, and, even Fox and, that, and, I, and uh, I think it's well, Fox News, Fo- Fox may have, but uh, listening to um, the guys at No Agenda, they mentioned that this wasn't anywhere to be seen yeah. except for PBS YouTube or something like that. It's like, I when was the last time that you had a president speaking? I mean, I remember going back to. Carter, Reagan, because I'm so old. Carter, Reagan, where if a, presi- if a president, <laughs> James Polk, if a pre- Alexander Hamilton, <laughs> that's Zachary that's Taylor, racist. Um, going back to presidents when they spoke, CBS, NBC, ABC all played the president speaking. And yeah, we are today, in a different time now. No, no, totally. And yeah. that's the that's the point. The the idea of being in a conversation with people when the media is like, nope, not our agenda. Don't want to listen to the other side, which is what you're getting at, Zach. Um, well, and I had a good chat with some people uh, this last weekend who definitely disagreed with a lot of things that I. I believe in and and it was fine and they are close close friends and and it was a weird i think it was weird for them well for the per, for a a compass pers- for the purposes of a compass for the listener slash washer or watcher um why are people washing themselves when they're watching slash listening to this i don't know but where are you at very broadly versus them oh, yeah so i'm in the uh somewhat uh, indestructible position of being a libertarian, which is in general, I'd like you to leave me alone. And, and you're indestructible, but you also are open to being, or not you personally, but it's possible for people to universally hate you no matter where they're coming from. Yes. Yeah. You can either universally love my position or, or universally hate it. Um, but again, yeah, that it, it is generally founded on a, a position of, uh, I would prefer, the smallest version of government possible that would leave me alone. I believe that is the motto. Le- <laughs> uh, leave me alone. <laughs> leave me alone. And uh, freedom. And so uh, I, th- I think this, it was a great, like I said, some of my very closest longtime friends. And um, I think that what, one of the things that came up in the discussion to your point, Jeff, was around the things that fuel the narratives that that we own and that we take on as our own and that we that we use to shape our, our worldviews uh, kind of resulted in a lot of headline skimming. And the moment that they would present something, well, what about this? And I would say, yes, exactly. Did you know that this, this, this? And I would start to dig into the into the story that they would present and present data points. Yeah, I thought this and this and this and this. And realize quickly... Uh, and they're smart people, but and and we're all subject to this. Like we've talked about this before, right? We we have full time jobs. It's it's hard for anyone to try to go and like spend hours and hours and hours. And you can't keep, check all the sources. You can't research all the stuff, right? We can't. But you could read past the headline, and I do know for a fact that whoever wrote the piece doesn't write the headline. The headline's written 
almost always by somebody else. And oftentimes the headline is not what is in the article. Totally, totally. Again, if you know that they're working from clicks and views. But but what I'm trying to connect is what you're saying, Jeff, the idea, the role that media plays and how that builds upon the individual's own worldview and narrative that they craft. And and so what I what I ended up finding was a lot of the times is we'd go through we'd go a little bit deeper we'd go beneath the surface of the of the, the headline is that all of a sudden there wasn't data on their side to support and I remember multiple times going like look I think there's a website out there I may be wrong <laughs> my friend has mentioned it before but it's called what is it don't make stop making me defend Trump. <laughs> Yeah, that's Scott. I don't remember who does it. It's not that specifically, but it's. I think it's a YouTube page, and they have a uh, a section of their YouTube library which is like, "Stop making me defend Trump." And that's and that is and I had mentioned that to them a couple times. I'm like, "Look, yes, I'll give it to you." The the man opens his mouth, and nine times out of ten, it's a dumpster fire. However, the Dow is higher than it's ever been. And unemployment is lower than it's ever been. And black people have the lowest level of unemployment. I'm assuming you're taking COVID out of this. The COVID asterisks would exist for any sitting president regardless. So we we cannot take that into account. It is an anomaly that we just need to separate for a moment. Um, And so there there was no response to things like that. And, And my point was, hey, uh, as we think about crafting our narratives, like what are the things that are most important to you? And what came out was from their perspective, it was really important that the, the, the leader, the sitting leader spoke well, could deliver a great speech and would make them feel good and would make them feel confident in their leadership and their leadership of the nation. And I was like, that's interesting because my, my own position, I get where you're coming from, but I don't care about a good speech. I care about a good policy because at the end of the day, what's really going to impact me and my family. I know this sounds like it sucks, but if I've got more of my own money in my checking account that I, and I'm able to keep, then I can take better care of my family. Right. And it's a personal uh, thing, but it's all things are personal things. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, it's well, a, well, are they? Yeah. Because, because, if we're giving money to some other country to help for something, how is that affecting you personally? That's money that doesn't help my family or that's money that I can't choose to give to a place where I want. No, no, no. But that's my point. Cause yeah. you were talking about all of all policy and all, I mean, essentially you just, feeling safe and being able to provide. Yeah. And, and what I'm saying is things happen where they're not affecting you at all, but they're resources that are going elsewhere, which humanitarian stuff is great. Um, But it's like, there's the impact on you and you alone and outside of your world can I go ahead? Can I bring the Bible into this, please? Yes. Um, sort of. Is it our money? Now, 
uh, never mind. I was going to caveat, but I just checked myself. The idea. Let's go, wordsmith. If we are Christians, <laughs> that's very generous. If we are Christians, and for me, it's a big F, but for you guys, you know, it's clear. <laughs> you are Christians. Do you, um, the the impulse to, I want to be able to do with my money the what I want to do, and I, I, I best know how to take care of my family and how to give to people I want to give it to, how to care for people that I want to care for. The government can't do a better job of that than that. But is it your money biblically, Christ, Christianly? Is Does that change anything? And I'm not, not even sure where I stand on this, but I know a lot of conservative, let's just say conservative politically, generally they are... I, I know where you're going. Okay. Yeah. Should I feel better that the government forced me to tithe? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? <laughs> so, yes. You know what I mean? And and the, when you put it like that, it it comes into view. And I think you can... I think you can find uh, data that will support that the more that government assistance increases, the less people are giving to nonprofits or to charitable, charitable uh, institutions you know this is this is me winging it right now and if that's not true that's well, fine here's but. here's what i think about when when I, let's examine like what i didn't see jesus and his disciples doing was abdicating their responsibility in terms of taking care of the poor i'll let's pick on that one they didn't say hey look what you should do is go give some money so that caesar can take care of the poor what about when Jesus, when when the guy, the rich man comes to Jesus and says, um, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus mentions the law and all that. And this is my uh, paraphrase. The guy says, yeah, I, I kept all that. And he's like, okay, sell all your stuff and give to the poor. Right. Um, what does that mean? And ha- does that play into this at all? I think that's... A- Supports my point even more. He didn't say, uh, sell all your stuff. Go on. Give it to the government. Allow the government to disperse it to all of the poor in the ways that the government can, ensuring that they take 70% off the top to cover administrative costs, and then 30% (laughs) will eventually trickle down, maybe 15% because someone's going to shave something off the top of that. No. Yeah. He doesn't say he doesn't say any of that. It is a one-to-one relationship. And it's because Jesus is calling us to have those well, we're maybe mixing things a little bit here because it's it's Because it's what we do. <laughs> it, Continue. It, it is about the heart. <laughs> it is about the heart of that man at the same time, but it is connect he connects it to Jesus connects it to his heart for the people and for those who are poor and needy and suffering. So I get that those things can't be shouldn't be separated, but I mean, yeah, I will grant that there's, there's a lot of ways you can interpret that. Yes. That was a really great answer. (laughs) The one, the one that I've heard though, a lot of times is like, well, I don't know. This doesn't contradict your answer, but uh, I feel like we're off in another direction, but keep going. Oh, well then it's it's right. No, finish, finish, finish. It's right in there. He's trying to prove that Jesus was a libertarian. (laughs) (laughs) You know what though? Actually, we don't need to keep, 
going on that, but I do, man, the Jesus was a capitalist. Jesus was a socialist. I've, I've heard it all. And the one thing that nobody's answered for me well yet, maybe you guys have an answer. Would Jesus advocate for the government to be the capitalist, to be the socialist? Wouldn't care. To be, to be the libertarian. Um, that's the thing is like, it disappoints me when I see Christians wanting, wanting to use the state to control. And there's this movement of liberal and progressive Christianity, which I think ultimately, I think is mostly positive, but there's this misunderstanding from my opinion, from where I'm sitting, um, which is a luxurious chair that if I were to <laughs> lean back and bounce along, I would fall asleep. I would rock myself to sleep in this chair, which is why I'm up on my elbows leaning forward. Yeah, keep it going. But, Oops. uh, you see this movement of more liberal progressive Christianity all about the Jesus way and emphasizing what it would look like to follow Jesus and make sure the needs of the poor are met and all that stuff. And, but they go to the state to enforce that. We just need to get our people in to enforce that. And that's where I'm like, I, I think I'm off that train. Is like, there... I think Christian, I think conservative Christianity has largely missed the boat in terms of caring for the poor, and so we're like, no, this is my nest egg, and we we want to like protect. Um, oh, that's oh, that's weird. That's not the point I thought you were trying to make. Well, no, I'm trying to make. I'm probably trying to make all the points right now, Andy. <laughs> well, no, because <laughs> I thought what you were what you were going to say was. Well, uh, is your point that that there, liberal, that's better. is your point that liberals or conservatives are the ones that are trying to advocate f- for the government being the one to take care of the poor? I would say it's more liberal. I would say conservatives want to advocate for the government to do certain things. It's less that if we're talking about just poor, generally the Democrats say all the right things. I don't know that the fruit of the Democrats' policies are is going to be helping the poor more. Um, my point is that if you're using the state to enforce what you think, conservatives have different views, progressives have di- different views. Um, <laughs> this is very true. My point is when you're a Jeff cri- has two feet, it, I have two feet. Yes, thank you. If you are a Christian. And you have very different views of what the kingdom of God is. If you are going to use the law, which is the point of the gun, ultimately it's enforced through force if, if uh, need be, if you're going to use that, you're missing the point. I understand if you're not a Christian and you don't care so much about that, you want to vote people in to enforce the laws you care about. But what hurts me is the, Progressive Christians thinking Jesus is a socialist. Conservative Christians thinking Jesus is a capitalist, free market guy. And both of them miss the point. That's a really long-winded way to say that both people are missing the point because we want to use the law to enforce things. And that's I can't see Jesus yeah. wanting to do that. No, and I think it does. It comes back to, like, are we abdicating abdicating our responsibility as Christians? Are we handing this off and saying... Um, I would rather write a check and have someone else deal with this than 
than for me to to get into this. And and that's the thing that like, yes, Jesus says render unto Caesar what's Caesar's. But like let's imagine again in the libertarian world, which is cool. I want um fire, police, and roads. Take care of those things. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um and uh and the other things that are are what we need to ca- take care of, like which is what the church used to be, right? B- before the the government governments of the world became what they what they are today. Yep. Um, the 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 church was the source of for the poor and being able to care for the poor and needy. Um, and so and so that's the thing that I wonder is I I think there's a version for both groups, which is which is a version of abdication. One is, um, I'd rather just pay a check, whatever, blah blah blah, um, and and not have to deal with it myself. The other one is uh, a belief that the government is the best, the best group to be able to do this. I'm leaning into it, so maybe you know, maybe you have one one side that's reticent, the other side that is all for it and believes that this is how it gets done. And and so my challenge to both of those groups is like, uh, are you sure? What if it was you? What if you were the one to be able to be? making those kinds of changes? What if you were the one to spend your, your money in that way, to spend your time in that way? Yeah. What if you were the one to get out in your community and see what the needs are for your specific community, which are going to be different than any other community and right. no right. bureaucrat in Washington can know the specific needs of your community. And it seems like do it. That's, that's you guys tell me if, you, if, if I'm wrong here, but it feels like that's closer to what Jesus demonstrated in the Gospels when he's engaging with people and when the when the disciples are engaging with people. There's no abdication. It is it is often one to one. Obviously, there's times where he's with groups of people, but you know what I mean. Like he's he's not trying to put layers between himself and those who need to hear from him and need to engage with him. Yeah, I think so. Like. Oh, Jeff, you breathe. I've just been waiting. Okay. All right. Jeff, talk. I think when when it comes down to Jesus, I imagine Jesus walking across the land, and he walks into uh, an open box, but um, he's got to pull down that the front end. It's if, if you cut down from the top down to the bottom— and everything was still closed up. He grabs one side, pulls it down, then walks in. You are and painting then, a picture right now with your tongue. Continue. And then steps on the next side of the box and pushes it down. He, All he wants is for there to be no boxes. He doesn't want people to be closed in. And our, in our world, society, communities, we... we and our media love to create boxes, love to create sides, love for you to get on one side and somebody on the other. And, and so you don't see the it's other the side. It's the easiest way to think. Yeah. Well, you don't see the other. Well, right. In Jesus' way is see humanity, see your brothers and sisters, see and, and, and what resources do you have, but not, I need to think about this. You just go. Your heart takes you. Your spirit takes you there. Well, the woman at the well is a good example of that. Now, obviously, like Jesus has supernatural, somewhat of a supernatural occurrence there because he's telling her her history. 
He's amazing. <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but can, I'm not going to argue against that for your purposes. Keep, continue. Well, for the purposes of this, he seems to Shut have up, some, some sort of background knowledge about her. Yeah. Because he shares that, right? I think she's probably known in the town. I said he has background knowledge. I didn't say where <laughs> it came from. He went to the local lamppost I'm, of where there was a flyer. Do you guys miss know. lamppost pizza? <laughs> yes, I'm <laughs> hungry. After softball. <coughs> but I wonder, I, w- I wonder, like, I'm just trying to make it more human. Continue. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So, so in, in this version here, let's, let's make it the more human version that, as opposed those, to AI, but continue. just ignore me. Keep going. For those of us who don't have the supernatural capabilities, um, she says something to the effect of, I met a man who who basically knew all about me and told me all the things about me. And, and it was this, uh, to your point, Jeff, it was not about, here's Jesus existing in his world and his level of class and stature. Here's someone else, and there is no chance we are going to interact. It is a firm, hard wall between us. It was, he stepped into her world and got to know it and got to know her and, and engaged with her on, on a level that was, um, it wasn't here, here, let me, uh, let me just tear down all the stuff. It was, and, and not that he didn't have some level of judgment. Like I think it's reasonable to assume that there's some level of judgment that he's telling her. He's like, yeah, you don't know. You don't have a husband. You have was it three or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Five, five husbands. Yeah. You've got five. And, and no one would receive that and be like, oh, he's just good at math. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> good all- counting, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. We, we know the undertones of what that means. Did you guys hear? Jesus is up to five. <laughs> <laughs> all but, right. But, um, but uh, I'll wrap up the point here, which is, which is basically um, you have two groups or, or two individuals with uh, different worldviews. And who are who are living different value systems, who are engaging, and and the one who walks away with her uh, worldview changed, uh, primarily does so because Jesus listens, Jesus engages with her, shows her love and compassion, and asks her to 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 be better, more or less, right? Yeah, I wonder. I is that the one where. If you were without sin, cast the first stone. No, is that a different one? No, that's a different one. This okay. is the woman at the well. Okay. So, so okay, go and sin no more. That's what he finishes it with, right? Is that what you're saying? I think that's. I think is that's that the that one. one? Yes. I think that's the one. But it, it, and I guess it's it's a little bit less about what the 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 specific finality of what it, of it was, but I think that demonstrates an idea where you have. Um, to Jesus showing you, here's what it looks like for two very competing ideologies to interact at the same time and for love to kind of like cover this whole thing in the midst of it. Yeah. And, and for it to also be a very like personal one-on-one. Right. And so if we tie it back to our other convers, like the earlier mm-hmm. part of the conversation, which is, are you abdicating your responsibility and saying, I'll just let the government take care of this? And and I'll let the government love the poor, or are you and the needy and the and the orphans and the widows, or are you showing a way that you're able to do that individually? And I don't and I think to your point, Zach, that affects liberals, conservatives, 
Right, center, left. Yeah. Yeah. What? Take it. Take it out of the. There, there's a there's a thread of personal responsibility that that is in there. Like, what what can you do? And I think if if you're more prone to, well, I, our tax money is going. Maybe more of our tax money should go. Uh, we should pay higher taxes. Uh, whoa, whoa, hey there. No, that's not what I'm saying. But if you're if you're you literally just said that. Continue. No, I know, but I'm not saying that's what <laughs> should what should happen is it's. Feel like I'm in Sweden now. It's um, shooting all over me. D- I long for just the the uh, be embodied. Know that you are you are worth it, and that equally other people are are worth it and are in, equally important. That their importance doesn't lie in their cor- the correctness of their beliefs because beliefs change, and you can um, I don't know. Start with your family work your way slowly out and how you can serve your community. And that's going to happen with or without the government. The government's going to do what it does. The whole render under Caesar, under Caesar, what is Caesar's? You can't control that. Uh, I think the deeper point of that uh, render under Caesar thing is that uh, the coin has Caesar's image. You bear God's image. And what does God want you to do? God wants you to the first fill in the blank. Yeah. Well, love love God, love people. He wants to know what you're consuming this week. That's yeah. what he wants to know. Oh my so, God. are you serious? Yeah, actually, uh, I got a, I got an email from Caesar. He was, said I was so me. loaded to finish. Caesar Gonzalez just emailed with some feedback. Julio Caesar uh, Chavez, go ahead. <laughs> what are you guys consuming this week? What's been uh What's been coming through your eyes or your ears or your mouth? Maybe you've been eating something. I don't know. Yeah, eating counts. Chicken dragon egg. It was delicious. That was delicious. Thank you, Andy. I ate more more meat on... Jeff, are you ready? For what? What are you consuming? No, I'm not ready. Okay. All right. I've been what consuming right. too much. What are you doing? All right. I uh, this, this is something I've been consuming. Thank you for asking, Andy. <laughs> Uh, I, I listened to a debate on one of the Reason podcasts, uh, the Soho Forum debates. It's Reason is a libertarian uh, site. Think I'm tank listening. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Soho? What are you? Is that New York? Yes. Are you a liberal? Continue. He okay. said libertarian. Is oh. the criminal justice system racist? A Soho Forum debate is what I listened to on their podcast, which is the Reason Soho Forum debates. Look it up. But, uh, and arguing for America's criminal justice system is, in fact, racist was a guy named Radley Balco. Who, Not a real name. Continue. Who is an opinion writer for the Washington Post, former, former editor at Reason. And he also wrote The Rise of the Warrior Cop, which I have not read personally, but I've heard multiple podcasts on that book. And that is a great um, resource and something we've been seeing a little bit of lately which is warrior cops. Uh, but anyways, and the, another guy, uh, Raphael Mangual, who is the deputy director of legal policy at the Manhattan Institute, which was, and he's also a contributing editor for city journal. Um, anyways, those guys talked about the criminal justice system and is it racist? Is there systemic racism? 
and we're not opening this can of worms. You guys don't get to respond unless it's super funny. Uh, the point was after yeah, I'm going to crack a joke on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have worms? What was very interesting for me. And I said that word, Jeff intentionally is that after listening to they're both, they both had 15 minute opening salvos. And after listening to both of them, I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're, we are having two different conversations. Um, it's all down to definitions and the definitions were different. And so I ended up agreeing with a lot of what both of them had to say. So if you think that, yes, the system is racist or the system, oh no, you hear that and you're like, you're triggered. Nope. System isn't racist. People are racist. Uh, it's an interesting conversation to listen to and because they're both smart, it's a great conversation. It doesn't get mean. And it's what it related to what we were talking about tonight. It's what people need to be able to consume information that might be outside your own and not hate the other person. So it was fascinating. That and Hamilton. I watched it along with everyone else. Nope. Not everybody. Okay. I never watched you. it. I hate I watched Hamilton on Disney Plus. I don't even know Plus, what that is. And I canceled Disney Plus after my free first month. I will f- I I will admit that I'm not a super huge musical guy. Yeah, you are. All I Just heard was it. although the greatest showman soundtrack is Garbage really great. Continue. Gives me chills. Ugh. Um <laughs> <laughs> But I did ask. This is how songs go. This is how I sing. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> I've heard someone describe a song to me. <laughs> that's that's what that's what I think of when I hear when I hear show tunes in oh musicals. Gosh, that's, so good. that's what it sounds like to me. It's like someone described a song and how singing that song would go, and then someone else was like, "Okay, I think I could do this." It's like an archaeologist unearthed some stuff. And they're like. Okay, uh, this is probably how yep. it was. The lay, you, the lay Miz movie, uh, seven minutes in, I'm like, nope, I'm done. If Shut you if you that watch, it. <laughs> it did. I I am aware of if you watch a spoof on a musical, it's like, oh my gosh, it's not even that. It's not that different how they make fun of the musical tropes. But I understand how it. I understand how it's difficult and the dancing, the singing, all that. Especially I, the dance. I get it. Some really good dancing. Great performances, too. The lead, I I was like, who is this guy? Why why is he the lead? What do you mean? <laughs> Lin-Manuel. Like, like, what do you mean, why is he the lead? Not, not a great dancer. I mean, not really dancing. He's moving on the stage. <laughs> uh, not a great performer. They had to fill the quota. Not a great singing. Uh, but... But, the guy is a trust fund baby, and his dad had a lot of cash. <laughs> I don't know about that. I stand corrected. But, but it was like, and I confess, complete ignorance. I want to make a musical. <laughs> complete ignorance to this Hamilton. I knew it was super hyped, and I watched it when it came on Disney+. Plus. And turns out Lin- Lin-Manuel wrote, directed it, yeah. and stars in it. Yeah. Understandable. It's his baby. If you're writing and developing all that, that's impressive in and of itself. Uh, but I think the one thing that would make it better would be a better lead. Maybe. Well, this Hot has been take. your two minutes of musicals <laughs> for the entire decade of the 2020s like on Bros, Bibles, and Beer. <laughs> Never again.
<laughs> yeah, I don't know if we'll ever, we'll ever, and now it turns out Hamilton is problematic. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But that's what I was consuming. Uh, that's great. So, problematic. Uh, the Good things word. that I've consumed, I finally finished the, the movie Joker, the, the one with Joaquin Phoenix. Still haven't seen that. Oh, man. So, love, did I, tell I you, love Joaquin Phoenix. Did man. I tell you the, the story of when we first tried to watch it? Nope. Okay. So, uh, Lindsay and I went to the theaters and it was last summer, I think is when it came out. We went to the theaters and we're watching the movie and we're one hour in and Joker, it is right at the point where he has lost his mind right. and just in and just killed his, he just committed his first murder. This is the first time you've seen this. Yeah. The very first time that I saw this last summer that I tried to see this and right at that point, all the lights went out in the theater and the screen went black. The whole place went black and it stayed that way. And we're sitting there and like going like, wait, what? Uh, okay. It's probably going to come back on in a minute. Like, I guess something's wrong or whatever. And we sat there for over a minute, which if you, it doesn't sound like a lot, but if you're sitting there for yeah. a minute, it's it, a lot. it is forever. You start questioning, hey, who's going to be the one that gets up, goes tell the movie people? Well, I'm also like starting to think of like those, the Batman movie in Colorado where yep. someone came in and shot the place up. And I'm going, this is that's the That's what you started to think? Just for well, a, That's kind of what the movie is. It is the movie. And if you're thinking about like, this is who this is. And this is the key moment where this happens. He cracks and now he's murdering people. <laughs> yeah. So uh, eventually... Uh, Eventually, an employee came in, and he kind of poked his head in. He was probably about 17 years old, maybe. And he's like, hey, you guys doing, man? And he's kind of looking around. No, he doesn't say anything. He's like, huh, okay. And he starts to turn around and walk away. And and one of the uh, customers is sitting in the back row. They're like, we can kind of see him lean over. And he, you can see him be like, what the hell's going on, dude? And he's like, oh. And then he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the uh, and the customer goes. I guess the power's out. Like the customer is the one who tells us all. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so we all file out of the theater and we get our ticket uh, that we can come back at oh. some eventual point to go see a, a movie or this movie or another one. Anyway, I finished the movie, and uh, it recently owned, you finished the second half. I finished the second half. Well, you probably watched it from the beginning when you started it over in your house. I didn't. I started it from where it was and. What? It only gets more disturbing. Yeah. Let me let me just say that I've I seen, saw it, yeah. I've seen all the Batman movies and I really love them and Christopher Nolan stuff is like it's incredible, right? It's the best versions of Batman. Um and and even as dark as like Heath Ledger's Batman was mm-hmm. or sorry, Heath Ledger's Joker was. No. It's even more darker. It's darkerer. <laughs> It's even more darkerer. Yeah, there. It, it, so I would say to the to the listener, if you are thinking about watching this, it's good. Just make sure that you have a strong stomach and be aware that it gets disturbing. Sometimes I watch Walking Phoenix movies just to watch him act. What the, else would you watch? For? Uh, That's what he. I does. mean, just oh, it's the movie. Oh. But just when you when you <laughs> you, when you take when you if you take yourself out of like what's going on in the I mean you can kind of track what's going on in the movie but then you just focus there are cameras on him right now and he is an amazing actor I've 
I've loved that guy since yeah. he was a kid. I mean, in movies and just watching him act. How old was he when you fell in love with him? <laughs> well, How old were his, you? I mean, I, I think I brought this up before uh, river Phoenix, his brother who, who died early, you know, he, Way to bring it down. I thought this was a positive. All right, this is the last anyway, thing I'll add in there, which is that's good. Uh, I have. Uh, I also started season three of Ozark, so I'm guess I'm way into the deep dark stuff right now. You are. Oh my gosh! But it's really good. And then the last thing is, and I'll post it in the show notes. Was this link to this guy who is posting? He's literally p- tacking up posters in his neighborhood that are so ridiculous. I can't even describe how ridiculous they are. And I feel like it's falling flat if I would try to describe it. Oh, because my next question was, can you give me a example? Yes, I can give you an example. Hold on just a second. I'm going to pull this up here. It's worth it's worth the example um, because it's so ridiculous. But what I loved was, like I texted this to a buddy the other day, and he was like, oh my gosh, I wish that I was the one who had done this. So the uh, the article is, this guy won't stop trolling his neighborhood with fake posters and people can't stop laughing. <laughs> The first one is, uh, forgive me, this, I don't know if this is good pot <laughs> or not. It's just a pigeon. It's a picture of a pigeon that says, found this bird. Is this yours? Underneath, underneath that, no name tag. Yelled every name at it. Doesn't respond to any. <laughs> obeys no commands. Very poorly trained. Not going to hold on to your bird much longer. It is terrorizing my dogs and daughter. This is what I get for being nice <laughs> a once. A picture of his daughter. <laughs> See pics of bird and contact me soon. <laughs> Claim this bird.net and then it gives, a, <laughs> it gives a picture of this girl and it just says my daughter. Uh, he there are like 25 of these things. Do you know this man? It shows some big fat guy sitting in a uh, spa. It says appeared in my hot tub five days ago, has been there since, does not talk or move. At night, his eyes glow red. And it, he, like, photoshopped red eyes on the guy. You know, that's some good news. <laughs> Yeah. If you're walking around and you oh see that, God. that is like, oh my God, somebody has a sense of humor. That's a huge horse. Picture of a horse. Found, Found this. this. Not giving it back. Sorry. In quotes, in quotes, sorry. Do not contact me. With his phone number. And then it gets the phone number. And underneath it in small letters, you should have kept a better eye on it. <laughs> okay. It's so good. Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah. So I, well, the world needs more of that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Like no matter where you're at, you can laugh at that with somebody. It's inspiring and I really want to do this in my own neighborhood. I actually more want to do it in an adjacent neighborhood. But <laughs> <laughs> it's so just, good. Just own it in your own neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> That's not good podcast, but the car impersonator one. All right. Look it up, people. What's the website to find that? Or just Google it? Uh, it's on Board Panda. I'll put it in the show notes. You can click on it in the show notes. Please. Just every single picture. I'm just laughing. Uh, it's worth it. Please, please click on it. Um, All right. This is the way you get your internet. Uh, All right. Hey, well, I am. Uh, I am trying to consume comedy. I'm just trying to turn this ship in a positive direction, uh, and that's it. I. Uh, I love I love laughing. I I love um Dave Chappelle. I've actually been watching a lot of Dave Chappelle. That's what I've been consuming. And um he's just he's smart, he's funny, and um he's just a great comedian and he neutralizes a whole lot and he makes a solid point when he wants to and it comes through crystal clear. Um 
so it, it's crass in in his language but if you if you can handle the language his comedy is is so good and it's and recently um just listening to the last 3 or 4 years since he's come back it is it just knocks it out of the ballpark and i just i get a good feeling even though some of the things that he may he may be talking about I'm like ah i still it's like listening sometimes to the other side where I'm like you know what how he communicates speaks my language and i don't mean the cussing but speaks my language in that he's just like can we just create a bridge for everybody to come and meet in one watering hole and and dave chappelle does that i think that doesn't sound like a structurally sound bridge one that has a a watering hole in the bridge. Well, it's bridges going to a platform that Everybody's then going go to down. Die. <laughs> We're all going to die on that bridge, <laughs> Jeff. But I think that it's, is your love language. <laughs> yep. Which is the death and destruction of all. It's yep. saving private Ryan. Get across the bridge. We blew the bridge. You're all going to die. It's over. Jeff Tom Hanks described five. his marriage on this podcast. If you go back and listen bring to it, Zach, bring it. Uh, a train crashing down from the top of the Eiffel Tower. You already got it wrong, but continue. Okay. But generally, that's the pa- painting you pictured with your... Uh, uh, pay- picture, pay- the picture you painted with your tongue. feels like the Avengers would need to be involved to make that occur. I think they do, and I think uh, this Mulholland bourbon has made me sufficiently tongue-tied. So, <laughs> Bring it home, Zach. Bring it home, buddy. All right. BrosBiblesBeer.com at... Bros, Bibles, beer. Listen carefully. People always get it wrong. Bros, Bibles, beer. On Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Bros, Bibles, beer at gmail.com. Rate and review? Rate and review on iTunes, which is not a thing anymore. It's now Apple Podcasts. Wherever you find your podcast, wherever you find us, rate, review, let us know how we are doing, and we will uh, react to it on the pod. Thank you. I did ask. This is how songs go. This is how I sing. Shut up! <laughs> I've heard someone describe a song to me. <laughs> <laughs>